Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Let's just pray, Lord. We don't just want to sit in church on a Sunday morning and hear some stuff. We want to encounter you. You promise to be here when we gather like this. I pray every single person this morning will know that. And you'll just bring a word from your word, the Bible today, that changes our lives and sets us on fire. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever we're at with you right now, I pray beautiful things will happen in this place. Have your way, Lord. Amen. Amen. So obviously this is uh, my home church and I go around speaking a bunch of other places and I always take a little stand with me, a message stand with resources on it. And uh, Cyril's help. Where's Cyril? Oh, come out, Cyril. Cyril's helping me out today. Cyril works for the message on our fleet and facilities and he's ace. But I thought it might be nice for Cyril to just introduce himself to you and so you can go and see him on our stand at the end, but also give a little bit of his own amazing story. So Cyril, tell us a little bit about yourself very briefly. Where, what your life's been like? My life used to be a complete train wreck. I, I grew up in Wigan, single parents, and three years of my life, I went through experiences that no child should have to go through. I mean, three years of my life was taken away, so by the time I was 16, I was a very hungry young man. The other thing that take the pain away was drugs. I then came to the drink. You see, drugs... People say, did you enjoy the buzz? And no, I didn't. I never enjoyed drug addiction, but I enjoyed the freedom that it gave me. By the age of 16, I was ready to like, move on because I was a walking time bomb. So I ended up moving to Manchester where I weren't just taking drugs, I was selling drugs. And I got, I got deep, deep into drug addiction. But then came the point in my life where drugs stopped doing it, drinks stopped doing it. So I picked a razor blade up and I become a self-armor. I mean, that's as, that's as an adult to become a self-armor because it felt like when I was hurting myself, I was taking the pain away. In 2003, I ended up getting a uh, prison sentence in Forest Bank Prison. And when I was going in, the prison officer said to me, when, he said, how do you feel? I was like, boss, I, said, I don't want to be here. And I didn't mean prison, I meant life. You see, that day I was put on what's called a 2052, which is a suicide watch. And this woman came in and she's like, do you know something, all the pain, all the hurt and all the anger you've got, she went, Jesus put that on the cross for you. She went, Jesus loves you so much. And I thought she was on drugs, tell the truth. I thought she was, I thought she was crazy. Day after she came back and people say to me, what was prison like? It's the best time of my life. Because that day I asked Jesus Christ into my life. It's, it's, it's not been easy. It's like been bad times in my life. Things like my little boy went to his mum one day, he's like, mummy, mummy, have you got a plaster of daddy's arms? You see, my children saw stuff like that. Do you know what, I, I, I just, sorry, when I was sat there before, I just want to share that if anybody's going through anything like that, I'd love to pray for you at the end. Mm. Beautiful. But obviously that's not the Cyril we see before us now. You're not the drug-addicted self-armor who's in and out of prison. Uh, and there's been an amazing change. And I guess 
Tell us the, the connection with the message and how that's worked for you, Cyril, and what, you know, what that's meant to you. So basically, four and a half years ago, I got uh, an interview at the Message Enterprise Centre with Simon Sullivan and Sam Riggler, a bunch of them. The first thing they said to me, they said, uh, tell us your testimony. Tell us about your past. I used to go on interviews, and if they said to me, what's your criminal record like? What's your past like? They used to search me on the way out. Sorry, this place is not for you. But they're like, we've got a place for you. You can come on the programme if you want. And I joined the facilities team. One thing they said to me, they said, oh, what do you see for the future? Do you know what I mean? Since I've been at The Message, I've become a pretty good communicator. Do you know what I mean? I go in prisons, I go in schools. Do you know what I mean? I'm on Andy's evangelist team. And it's like two and a half years ago, he's like, got a message one day, do you know you're speaking at the Apollo tonight? I was like, what, me? Do you mean, but my simple word for them 2,000 kids was that, God loves you so much. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Good lad, Cyril. Great, fantastic. We had, um, I mean, what we're involved in at the message is literally a, a rescue mission. See, the devil's got plans for people like Cyril, and it's to steal, kill, destroy, to use all the pain and all the terrible things that have been done to them and, and turn it around for their harm. But Jesus turns it around for good and, and, and the rescuer, the rescued becomes a rescuer. And what a precious thing to see that and what a blessing Cyril is in so many ways. So please go and see him on our stand at the end. A couple of weeks ago, um, I uh, went down to Coventry um, with Michelle. We were at a, a, a reunion from this bike ride fundraiser and uh, I had meetings in London the following day. So Michelle dropped me off at Coventry Station and drove back to Manchester and I got the train to London. However, when I got to about rugby, I got a phone call from Michelle saying, the car won't start. I, I'm at uh, Stafford Services. I've stopped off and the car won't start. And I'm like, the car won't start because I've got the key in my pocket. Next stop, Euston, and Michelle's stuck at Stafford Services. So I'm like, oh no. And after so I phoned Cyril, I said, help me out, Cyril, if you can. He said, of course, mate. And uh, he then went to my mum's, got a key for my house, got in my house, found the spare key, drove two hours in the traffic, in the traffic to Stafford Services in just a beautiful way and picked Michelle up and brought her back. Well, gave the key to Michelle and Michelle drove back. So I texted Cyril, as you would, saying, oh, thanks, mate. I know that took five hours in all and the way you did it was beautiful. And you know, he texts back and he meant such a lot to me. He just said, anytime. And he meant anytime. You know, and I think if I'd done that for somebody, I, I would have been a little bit like this time, but next time ask someone else if you don't mind, you know, to give up half the day for me and run around. And I've been a, bit, a little bit like, Cyril, you need to know what I did for you was pretty special there. But he just did it in such a beautiful Jesus way. Don't you want to be a kind of anytime sort of person? So people can reach out to you when they're in need and just do it in a, a beautiful servant hearted way. So well done, Cyril. And uh, thanks for saving my life with my wife. <laughs> but I'm joking. But uh, okay. And if you go to the message stand, you'll find a bunch of resources. Can I just mention this beautiful book called Grief and Grace, written by, uh, our, came out this week, written by the message South Africa director. We've got a, a fantastic team doing beautiful work in South Africa. But almost three years ago to the day, Tim Tucker's wife, Laura Tucker, died. They went on holiday. She had a very sudden and unexpected brain aneurysm and she died overnight. And it was tragic. Three kids. Absolute nightmare. But this is his three-year journey through grief and encountering the grace of God. If you know anybody that'd be blessed by this book, 
Get hold of one today. And if you've some way, what I'm saying, you're thinking, oh, I know that'll speak to me. This is absolutely solid gold stuff that Tim has put together. It's grown up Christianity. So that's their grief and grace. As is my book, and we're going to do this for a fiver now, Cyril. So Cyril will be saying that, and and all the books are a fiver. But my books are fiver, and it fits in very much with the theme of today. Here I am, looking at the life of Isaiah, uh, who had this massive encounter with Jesus. That's where it all starts. Realised how unworthy he was, was restored and then sent out to basically change a nation. And uh, I hope you'll be encouraged by that. However, this book that also only came out a couple of weeks ago is so special to me. If there's anything in my world that I'm excited about at the moment, it's got to be advanced. Advanced. So like four years ago, I started coaching and training and Cyril mentioned it, 12 younger evangelists who want to go out and, and I said to them I want you to form within 12 months your own advanced group so we meet in accountable relationships we look at what kind of gospel we preach we pray for other a lot once a month and then we share our stories and the 12 who started meeting four years ago has now become over 700 there's over 70 of these groups there's girls groups there's lads groups we keep them single sex because they're super accountable and transparent and all that good stuff but in the last few weeks advance has just gone crazy and since we produced this book and it's exploding all over the world there's literally 40 nations now interested in in doing advance and we've just translated to Spanish being translated as German and and uh, various Arabic languages and and uh, all kinds of, anyway basically it's kicking off and it's properly out of control and it's so exciting and this book basically is a 12-month guide of how to run your advanced group because this is not some controlling thing from the message we're just saying to Christians why not gather with your mates and let's look at how we reach our friends how we come more, become more effective in going in our context it's not just for platform evangelists like me whatever who go around preaching just for Christians who want to share their faith so please have a look at that as well at the message stand I know you'll be encouraged and finally before we get into, into what I'm going to say today take a leaflet like this which tells you about the advanced groups but also what we're calling the advanced summit in Birmingham on the 12th of October. We're looking to gather the largest number of evangelists and people who are involved in mission for, for a generation here in the UK, 1,500 people. And uh, we've got a stellar lineup of speakers. It's going to be, we believe, a landmark day. Lots of ministries are going to come to share their dreams for 2020. We're going to pray. We're going to hear from some amazing speakers. So please go to the stand and get that information. And if you don't get Flow magazine every quarter, as we mail this out, to like tens of thousands of people. You can sign up for that too. Okay. So as Matt said, for the last three weeks, we've been looking at this, hearing what the Holy Spirit's saying, seeing what the Holy Spirit's doing. And today we get to the exciting part of going where the Holy Spirit is sending. And uh, I was thinking about this this week and I was reflecting and, and it gave me a warm glow on the Cricket World Cup final. How many people watched that? Oh, come on, people. It was better than that. It was like literally, I mean, I love cricket, but this wasn't just cricket. It was like the best game of cricket ever. And it was the World Cup final and England won, which never happens. It was just crazy excitement. The only trouble was I was in Mallorca and I was trying desperately to log on to Radio 5 Live or get some stream and I couldn't get anything. So I'm having to just do BBC Sport updates and eventually I I talked my son into holding his phone to watch the TV feed on FaceTime. 
So I watched it in Mallorca, those amazing last overs on FaceTime, and I'm jumping up and down, even in the airport were the last couple of overs. And it was amazing, it was incredible. But it, it made me think, you know, how great to have listened to that on the radio, especially because I couldn't. How amazing to have watched it on telly. I mean, imagine being at Lords. Imagine being in the crowd when England win the World Cup. And I realise some of you, are a bit, your eyes are going a bit glazed now, but there's about four people who are with me, I can see. But actually, imagine being on the team. Imagine being on the team that won the World Cup, being Ben Stokes or whatever it is. And it made me think about this morning. You know, it's great, isn't it, to hear stories, to get the feed of what God's doing around the earth. It's good to listen to UCB radio, perhaps, and hear some Christian teaching and encouragement, or watch God TV and hear some great preachers around the world, whatever. But how amazing to be here. We're not, we're not going to do that. We can be here. We can be in God's presence, in his house. But how much better to be on his team? And if you're a Christian, you're on God's team. God chose to partner with you. He called you up. The day you gave your life to Christ, he said, you're on my team. And guess what? We're going to win some trophies together. We're going to do something good. God has good works planned in advance for you to do. And he called you up to his team. I was in this church last week for a, a little retreat day with the trustees and the leadership team. And part of it was, how are we going to cope with all this growth? All these nations who want to work with the message and all these potentials for partnership. And three people that morning bought this word from the Bible out of the parable of talents, three different people in different situations shared. We feel like God wants to speak to you through the parable of the talents. And if you know anything about the parable of the talents, it's the story Jesus tells about, you know, people have different amount of talent. Some have been given one, some have been given five, some have been given 10, but it's not the amount you've got, it's what you do with it. The key thing is not how much talent you've got, but are you willing to multiply it? And the person who multiplies his talent, what they've given, I invest in God's stuff, the Bible says gets a reward. And you know what the reward is? The reward is hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we've heard that a lot, haven't we? You know, and there's the picture of getting to heaven and the reward is there's Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. But it struck me this morning, a few days ago, in this church as we met, Jesus didn't just say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, he said to the, the person who's invested their talents well, who's lived a good life, who's served him well, who's multiplied what they've been given. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And it struck me that it's like so many things in the, the Christian life. We only get half the story. Half the story is, yes, I want Jesus well done, but I also want to enter into his joy. You know what the joy of the Lord is? Untold numbers of people in heaven. It was for the joy set before him, the Bible says, that Jesus went to the cross. He was willing to go through the hideous horrors of the cross for me and you were his joy. The fact that we can share in his joy, we can be part of heaven and the joy of the Lord that we're going to enter into is that day when our chin hits the floor and we're like, wow, God, you allowed me to be part of your purposes. Do you get me? You're going to get it and you're like, you allowed my giving and my praying and my going and my serving and I've been part of this amazing thing of populating heaven. And there's going to be this amazing time of joy and celebration as we enter heaven and we hear Jesus, well done, and then we look towards all the saints who are with him for all eternity. I mean, does that excite anybody in Ivy Church on a Sunday morning, the thought of that? 
that we get to be part of that. There's nothing more important than that. So here we are as people called to go. You'll know as well as I do if you've been a Christian any time that the last words Jesus left ringing in his disciples' ears and in our ears were go. Staying is not an option for an obedient Christian. We're a going people. The last thing Jesus said was go into all the world, make disciples, baptise people, teach them and I'll be with you even to the very end of the age. And of course, I'm guessing when Jesus said that to the disciples, he's saying to them, go into every nation and I'm going to be with you. They're like, how's that going to happen? How can you, you know, you can be with us on this mountainside right now in Israel, but how are you going to be with us all over the world? Well, of course, a few days later, they found out because the Holy Spirit was poured out and they went in the power of the Spirit over the next years to every nation on earth. And as we meet this morning, Christian believers are meeting in every nation on earth. Christians are being baptised. Christians are being taught. Christians are carrying Jesus' presence because he breathed on his church and gave him the Holy Spirit. And we live in amazing days where more people are becoming Christians than any time in the history of the planet. And where we live in days where the Spirit of God is being poured out on the nations. You do know that, don't you? We're on the winning team. We win because Jesus wins. And we're going to think about this going. And don't look too scared, but I've got seven points for you. Not three, like a good, not good preacher, but not four, not five, not six, but seven. And you are going to get home for your Sunday lunch, don't worry. I'm going to blast through this really quickly. And the seven points come from Acts chapter 2. When the Spirit was poured out so that the people could go. You see, Jesus' promise on the church was, I'm going to pour out my Spirit so that you can be my witnesses. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit and power so you can go in my name, so you can fulfil the Great Commission. We're never going to do that on our own, but by the power of the Spirit that, yes, the church can. So let's read Acts chapter 2 together. If you've got a Bible, I think it may even come up on the, on the screen. There we go, yeah. Acts chapter 2, from verse 1. The disciples have been waiting in the upper room for this to happen. He told them to wait. Wait until you receive power. Power to be my witnesses, power to go. And then this happened. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how, how is it that each of them hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and they said they've had too much wine. So here we are, hearing what the Holy Spirit's saying, seeing what the Holy Spirit's doing, and now coming to a place where we're willing to go 
where the Holy Spirit is sending. And if we will do those three things, if we'll press into God and hear what he's saying, get his heart, if we'll see what he's doing and join in with this adventure, I'm then willing to go wherever he leads. You know what happened? Seven things, guarantee you. Seven beautiful things will happen in Ivy Church if we'll just obey what the Lord is saying through his word. The first thing is, We'll live in unity. In Acts, they were all together in one place, the Bible says. They were all together in unity. And we know what they were doing in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Oh, what a shock that the Holy Spirit poured out. 1.14, they were all joining together constantly in prayer. I mean, Greater Manchester Prayer is super significant. I really hope you'll make the next day in November a priority. It is so important as the body of Christ. And myself and Deborah and other leaders in this city are now looking forward to next year. And we're going to book the velodrome. That's the good news for March. And then we're looking for bigger venues, not just so we can have thousands of people because there's never been a major move of God without Christians coming together across the streams and denominations in unity. They were all together in one place. But our greater Manchester prayer isn't a Christian knees up. It's preparing us to go. It's all about mission. And that's why we come together in unity. We tend to, somebody said this, you know, Christians are a little bit like dung. If they stick together for too long, they start to stink. You know, we become a bit weird and religious and the world looks on, who are those weirdos doing weird things in Didsbury? But if we spread ourselves out, we fertilise society. Society changes. We're never meant to stick together for too long. We're meant to come together, come together, but the clock's ticking, come together in unity. And you know what joins us together in unity more than anything? A vision of the lost and the least and the last to need Christ. Once we get a target on that, once we get a target on the joy set before us, we can't afford so much of the nonsense people get up to in church because the prize is too great. The trophy that we're trying to win is too important to mess about with being divided. So they were all together in one place. The second thing was there was a, a suddenly of God, a suddenly of God. The Bible says they were all together in one place when suddenly, don't you love the suddenlies of God? Don't you long for them? I'm still dreaming for them. You know, I feel a little bit, maybe with the advanced movement, suddenly something's happening. Why the heck are people in Malawi and Rwanda and Uganda and Cuba and all these, all these South American nations? Why are they getting in touch with us? Nations I've never set foot in saying, we want to use your resources to train mission because God's on the move. You know, God's doing something. Don't you long for a suddenly of God when the landscape changes? So often in Christian work, it's like nothing, 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 bit more nothing, everything. Because <laughs> we know it's the Lord that way, don't we? He breaks in. Suddenly there was a move of God in Wales where in 12 months, 100 years ago, half the nation was saved. Suddenly there was a move of God under John Wesley 200 years ago when the nation was getting drunk on gin and church attendance was at an all-time low. Suddenly there's a move of God and half the nation were saved and an incredible passion for the last and the least and the lost and the broken. Don't you want to see a suddenly of God? If you do, what do you do? Hear what the Lord's saying, see what the Lord's doing and join in and go in his name. I love the fact I was chatting before. This is, this is, your, this is your morning, Cyril. You're being well bigged up this morning. I was chatting to this guy, David. You know, David, lovely old David, who's been Ivy forever. But David said, first time I saw Cyril, was in Withenshaw Precinct and he came up to me and said, do you know Jesus, mate? 
I thought, go on. I mean, I'm training you too well in that advanced group, mate, but I love that. And, and David said, actually, I've been a Christian for 50 years and they prayed together or whatever, but I love that. But we suddenly, we need to go, don't we? And we can't stop going and we can't start, stop sharing that we've been rescued and Jesus wants to rescue people. The third thing that happened 2,000 years ago that I will believe will happen with every major move of God. It certainly happened in Wales. It certainly happened under Wesley. Was there was phenomenon of sight and sound and speech. The Bible says they saw what looked like tongues of fire. They heard what sounded like a mighty rushing wind and they spoke in other languages. Basically, God was on the move and miracles were happening. Miracles of sight and sound and speech. Amazing things were happening. I love this. Where's my phone gone? Uh, Gary Smith, who heads up our, um, he's on our leadership team and, and heads up our work in Wales, South Wales and a bunch of other things actually. He's in, in India at the moment and we give a, a considerable amount of money through our tithe to work in India, building churches and ministry amongst the poor and Bible colleges out there. But anyway, he's in India visiting this stuff at the moment. Gary, um, Gary sent me this text, on this uh, email on Wednesday. He says, hi friends, just a quick update. I finished the diploma teaching, that was at the Bible college this morning, and then went five hours north on a crazy Indian road to Telangana. When I got to the church, there were about 30 people. However, it was amazing. At the end, I prayed for an old lady whose hips were in agony. Within seconds, her face lit up and she was pain-free. The highlight, though, was praying for a young woman whose arm was completely paralysed. As I prayed, she got some feeling in her fingers. So we prayed again and Jesus totally healed her. Praise God, that one thing was worth the whole trip. And here's a picture of her. There she is. With that arm there, was paralysed before and Jesus healed it. That's how God is a healer. We're not talking 2,000 years ago. We're talking a couple of days ago in Telangana and it's happening all over the world and we need to see more of it here, don't we? Nick Shalavi, who lots of us know, goes to Ivy Sharston. So my WhatsApp group, I love my advanced WhatsApp group, all these great stories, but last night, Nick sent this in. Crazy past week and we encourage, you know, on our WhatsApp group, any testimonies. Crazy past week. Saw a guy's mangled hand that needed surgery get healed in Forest Bank Prison, which was the prison Cyril was in. He got fully restored and I saw him freak out. This guy's got a major influence in Manchester. He demanded I go to the wing and pray for everyone and go to healthcare to show his healing with him. He said in a frenzy after his healing, I think I'm going to be an effing disciple. I love that. Then, you know, Nick works for our prison team and in the PRUs. But then he said this, yesterday, the Sky Engineer came round to our house to fix my box. I spoke with him, prayed with him and led him to the Lord. Also yesterday, I spoke at a youth conference in North Manchester. Saw over 30 come forward to surrender their lives to Christ. Majorly moved though by a nine-year-old nine girl crying under the presence of God at the altar. This wasn't 2,000 years ago. This was 24 hours ago. This wasn't India, this was in our city. Don't you love what God's doing? We need to see more. Yes, come on. As we get serious about hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying, seeing what the Holy Spirit's doing, but not stopping there, going, willing to go to the prisons and go to our sky engineer and go to nine-year-old kids or go in his name. As we get serious about going, we'll start to see some remarkable things happen. I love the fact that there was fire and wind in the upper room. Fire and wind are the emblems of the Holy Spirit. 
And I love that because fire can be kind of comforting, can't it? You know, gathering around the chimney in a summer's evening is a beautiful, comforting thing. Or it can be out of control and devastating. It take out a city in, in a few moments. Wind's the same, isn't it? A gentle breeze on a beach is beautiful and comforting, but a, a, a tornado can be devastating. That's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And the Holy Spirit knows if you need a, a gentle, compassionate touch, if you need a, a warm glow or, or you need a, a gentle breeze, or maybe you need a tornado in your life this morning. Maybe you need setting on fire this morning. God knows what you need. God knows what this city needs and whatever you need to do with us, God, by your Holy Spirit. Whatever happens, please, because the fourth thing that happened was that everyone was filled. All of them were filled, the Bible says. Not like the Old Testament, where, you know, kings were filled so they could lead and musicians were filled so they could write psalms and hymns. Artists were filled so they could build a temple. Everyone was filled. It wasn't a temporary filling like the Old Testament. This was permanent filling. If we want to go, we better get filled. And I'm going to invite you at the end of this service to stand if you're longing for a fresh filling, not for you, but for them. So that we get filled so we can go in his name. We get filled so we've got power and boldness and confidence in this gospel like never before. Fifth thing that happened and that will happen as we get serious about hearing, seeing, going, is they became masters of culture. They could communicate to every person. These were unschooled, ordinary men. You know, they, were, they, hadn't, they hadn't had some great education, but they were able to communicate to everybody in language they could understand. Little kids understood them. Old people understood them. Not just that, but every language, every culture. Don't you love it? That's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us the ability to communicate. I love the fact that this church is probably unlike any other club or organisation in Manchester. Because it is every culture, isn't it? It's every colour. There's nothing like the Church of Jesus, is there? It's out of control and it's beautiful. It's like in, in Pentecost, the curse of Babel was reversed. In Babel, if you know what happened in Genesis chapter 10, men started to get a bit proud and full of themselves and they built this tower and they said, we will make a name for ourselves. And as a result, a, a curse came, a curse of division and disunity and many languages and they were spread out and scattered. Here at Pentecost, it's like the reverse of Babel happened, didn't it? Instead of, everybody could understand, they all came together. And instead of making a name for themselves, they were what the Bible says, declaring the wonders of God. And we have to decide for ourselves, we almost have to decide every day, is it going to be about making a name for ourselves? Or is it going to be about declaring the wonders of God? Is it going to be about Andy Hawthorne's ministry? Or is it going to be whatever it takes, Jesus? It's all about you. I'm nothing without you. God, you can do more in a minute than takes me a lifetime of human effort. I'm all about declaring the wonders of God, not making a name for ourselves. The sixth thing, inevitably, that's going to happen if we get serious about hearing what the Holy Spirit's saying, seeing what the Holy Spirit's doing, and then are willing to go anywhere he sends us, we will face ridicule. They face ridicule. 
course we will. If we become people who live by the word of God and aren't prepared to shift from that, no matter how much culture shifts, we'll face ridicule. There's always a little sting in the tail in this mission stuff. I mean, how tedious for Peter. God's on the move. He gets filled with the spirit. He's about to go out and preach the greatest sermon the world's ever heard. And some people are saying, oh, look at you, you've had too much to drink. I hate that when people do that. You know, I'm there, front of the party. Oh, Andy's had a few drinks today, hasn't he? Look at him. Don't you hate that? And that was Peter. That was a little ridicule, a little sting in the tail, you know. But they didn't let it back, make him back down. And we need to be people who stick by the word of God through thick and thin. Whatever it says, we're men and women of the Bible. We've not got a story. We're men and women of the spirit and the word. And the Holy Spirit will help us to know how to be gracious and kind and loving and servant-hearted, but also firm and bold with the Scriptures. The final thing, if we honestly, honestly, if we hear the Lord, see what he's doing and go in his name, there will, sooner or later, be mass salvation. There will. God's, God wants all people to be saved. He's just looking for an obedient team who will sign up and join in the adventure. I'm longing to see mass salvation. Mass salvation is happening around the world. More people are going to be saved today than any time since Jesus rose from the dead, since Jesus poured out his spirit. But I want to see it here, don't you? And the Bible says, sow and keep on sowing and at a proper time you'll reap a harvest. I love the fact that Emma shared about four kids that were baptised in ivy. Imagine this though, Acts 2 verse 41. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptised about 3,000 that day. You know, God just poured out his spirit. Imagine how long that baptism service went on for. But what an amazing, amazing day at the birth of the church. And is anybody like this this morning? Do it again, Lord. To a bunch of people in Manchester, do it again. Bring us together in unity. Pour out your spirit. Do the things that only you can do. Help us to be willing even to face ridicule and persecution, whatever it takes. But God, will you let us see mass salvation? Will you let us see a church in Manchester that grows through salvation, not just through shuffling around disaffected Christians, but as God pours out his spirit, will you rescue more people the way you rescued Cyril? Last uh, Friday, a week, last Friday, the guy who heads up our HR, loveliest guy you could ever meet, shared in the, in the Friday prayers. And his story was similar to Cyril. I was utterly broken. I was on suicide watch in Strangeways Prison. I'd been told I was bipolar. I was on bag full of drugs. I, I'd lost everything. I'd lost my reputation. I thought I was going to lose my marriage. I, I, I was just a broken man. And look at me now, 10 years later. Last Sunday, I baptised my son, I've got a fantastic relationship with my wife. I'm heading up the HR, the message, and I'm not bipolar because I've been healed and I've been set free. And don't you love Jesus doing the things that only he can do? Do it again, Lord. Do it in us, please. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice. See what you're doing and join in the adventure. As I say, I've got no magic powers, but the Lord loves to send his spirit. If we're just like, I'll go anywhere. I'll go in your name, but I need your power, Lord. 
I can't save anyone, but you love to allow us to be part of your team. And if that's your heart this morning, special morning when you want to offer yourself a fresh permission to go in his name, go in obedience, would you just stand in this place? Just stand where you are. Stand up if that's you this morning, wherever it takes, wherever you want me to go, Lord. I just need your spirit, God. I need your power. Send your spirit, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come in power. Visit us again, Lord. Give us a fresh vision of the last and the least and the lost in this city. Lord, I pray this week you'll be speaking to people. Yeah, we'll get some time to seek you, but you'll be speaking about how can we be most effective in your mission? You've told us to go, and as you told us to go, you gave us everything we need to go. You gave us your spirit, Lord. And I pray we'll go into our world with boldness and confidence. Fill us, Lord. Don't just fill us. Fill us to overflowing. So wherever we go, Lord, streams of living water flow from out of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can we all stand? Do you mind? Can we all stand, everybody? Just one more thing I want to do. I don't know who's here this morning, where you're at. But I don't want to finish this service without giving you an opportunity, if you don't know Jesus, to give your life to Jesus. Jesus said, anybody who comes to me, there's no way I'll turn him away. And you know what? If you'd invited your friends and family who don't know Jesus this morning, your workmates, there's every chance they'd get saved right now. Because God's here. And he loves to, you know, they'd be reaching out to Jesus. And I, I want to just leave that as a challenge for next week as we put it out again. You know, as we go to Withenshaw Park, invite your friends. Let's be an inviting culture of people who go. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you can know Jesus. Anyone who comes to me, he said, there's no way I'll turn them away. Wherever you've been, wherever you've done, whatever you've done, Jesus will save you. He'll forgive you. He'll give you a fresh start. And I'll give you power to live like it. And if that's you and you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I'd love just to pray the best blessing and just give you a book at the end of the service. So if that's you, just right where you are, would you just raise your hand, not to me, but just raise your hand to God. If you need to give your life to Christ this morning, I don't want to finish this service without doing that. Just a moment while we think, where do we stand before God? Do I honestly know if I died today, I'd hear the well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of the Lord. If you don't know that, honestly, you can know that. So if you need to give your life to Christ to be sure you're on his team and sure you're part of the saved, sure you're going to heaven and you've got a power to live like, just raise your hand right where you are now. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Some of us really know Jesus is here now, don't we? He's here. <laughs> Jesus is here. Thank you, Lord. He's always with us, but his presence is specially heavy now. Don't miss this moment as you think about where you stand before God. As you think about the people you know and the people you work with who desperately need Jesus. Do a work in us, Lord. Do a work in us, God. Amen.
Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.